0: Welcome to Double Your Sales,
1: your resources to selling strategies, tips, and best practices to take your performance to the next level. There's no reason you can't double your sales. So let's get to it with your sales coach, Ursula Menches.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Double Your Sales Now, where you learn all the tips, mindset, shifts, tools, and strategies to two times your sales in any niche. I'm your host, Ursula Menches. And I can't wait to dive into today's show because I have the very, very cool, very fun Miss Amy Boyd here today. She's been a friend of mine through NABO for many years. I decided not to count the years because I'm like, we've known each other a while. So no, um, before I tell you about Amy, I just want to say, welcome, Amy. Glad you can join us on the w Sales Now show. Hi, Ursula. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> the last time I saw Amy, we were wine tasting in Central California. So I saw her recently. We had a ball together. It was lots of fun. And so I said, I have to have you on my show because Amy and her partners have grown an incredible business. But let me tell you about Amy. Amelia, Amy Boyd, CPA, RPA. She is co-founder of the 5500 Tax Group Incorporated, a team of experienced professionals specializing in employee benefits tax services. Prior to co-founding the 5500 Tax Group, Amy was a senior Manager with Ernst Young's Human Capital Practice and served as the practice leader for Ernst Young's National Employee Benefit Compliance Practice. Yes, she's very smart. Miss <laughs> Boyd has 30 years of public accounting experience, 15 years specializing in employee benefits, so she has seen it all. We can all imagine what you've gone through in the last few years. She has extensive experience with governmental reporting and compliance, non-discrimination testing, welfare benefit plan analysis, and Amy is a graduate of the University of Texas, Arlington, with a Bachelor of Science degree in accounting and holds certified public accountant licenses in California and Texas. She's also a member of the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and International Foundation of Employee Benefits Plans and serves on the board of the National Association of Insurance and Financial Advisors, NAFA, where she invited me to speak recently, which was so much fun, and Amy is currently pursuing the designation of Certified Employee Benefit Specialist and has received the retirement plan associate RPA designation within the CEBS program, which means she's been extremely busy as well while running her business. At the very end, Amy will tell you you know, how you can get in touch with her. I know some of you, maybe your businesses are smaller, but some of you as your businesses grow or maybe you have a large business and are dealing with some of these challenges right now, she can certainly help you with that. And so, Amy, we're just going to dive in. I know you have a successful practice, you have partners, but I want you to go back. We'd we love to ask everyone on the show, like when you think back and you launched your first business, did you have any limiting beliefs about sales or selling? And if so, what were they and how did they get in your way?
1: You know, as a CPA, I really didn't even think of myself as a salesperson. You know, it's like I didn't know how to... Asked for a job or you know ask for my fees i was a technical person i solved you know tax law issues but the key was, for me was getting over the fact that thinking i didn't know how to sell or thinking i didn't know how to ask for the job or
2: or explain the fees for my services so you didn't think you did so how did you how did you overcome that how did you move through it what did you do to to overcome i did
1: well As I worked and, you know, began to make proposals, I had to get over that that thought that I I couldn't do it and just remind myself that I could do it. You know, I was a successful person at Ernst & Young, so there was no reason why I couldn't be successful on my own. So So it's that thinking, it's getting out of your mindset,
2: you know, was a big part of that. I know we talk a lot about that on this show. In fact, I think it's mostly mindset because once we get through the mindset, it's easier to have that conversation. We can connect with people, we can follow up, we can close the sale, and you know it it does get easier. So thinking back, I know you and your your partners, you maybe tell us a little bit about the business, how you co-founded it. You have partners around the United States. And thinking back from when you guys, from when you launched the business to where you are today, do you remember when you and your partners doubled your sales for the first time, or maybe took that first significant leap in sales?
1: Well, what was interesting is when you start out with zero any any sale,
2: is <laughs> everybody has <laughs> to double. That's cool.
1: Right. You know, the goal that I set my for myself was to match my income that I had at, at my previous employer, and when that happened, it was like, "Wow, we're we're succeeding here." It was no. No longer about survival, which is initially what you think about is like, am I really going to be able to do this? Am I going to be able to survive? And once, once I met that goal that I had set for myself, it was like, we are succeeding. You know, we can do this. There's no reason for us, you know, not to think of ourselves as an extremely successful firm and, you know, and that we offer value to our clients. So that was a big part so what, of it, right then.
2: Yeah. So first, you so you went out and first wanted to replace income, which I think most people do. Um, right. And since then, you've done significantly more than that. What I'm, I'm curious about, like, just you're in a very specialized area, a niche area. And how did you and your partners decide to launch the business? How did you decide to even have partners? Because most people, we know, we hear that most partnerships don't work. But you, here you are—you've had this very successful partnership um, for many years. So, how did you decide to launch together? And how have you maintained this successful partnership? Well, uh, we worked together at Ernst &
1: Young. We were all part of the same group, and the environment was changing. This dates back to Enron and the change of Enron and where all the Anderson partners ended up, and a lot of them did end up at Ernst & Young, and it kind of changed the feeling of the company that we were working for, and we just decided that we didn't want to retool ourselves. We had spent a lot of time learning what we knew, and the best way of continuing to do that was to break out on our own. So the four of us got together and, and sat down and, and chatted about what that would look like. And one of the things that I contribute to our success is the fact that we have a great respect for each other. And, you know, if someone doesn't like an idea or has a problem with it, we're all willing to respect that person's position on it. We don't always agree, and your partner shouldn't always agree, but you should be able to be open enough to voice your differences and resolve those differences because we've been in business together now for 12 years, And that is the big thing of it, is that when someone goes, no, I don't think we ought to go there, you know, the other person with the idea states their case is why it's a good idea, and the person who doesn't think it's a good idea states their case. But we all have to agree. There are four of us in different parts of the country, but we all have to agree when we take, we decide to launch something, we launch it as a company.
2: So all four partners have to agree with it. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. Well, that's incredible. And I think the key word that you said was respect you guys have respect for each other and therefore yeah. you're very collaborative in the process and yeah it must have I'm sure it helped that you worked together in the past you you had relationships established but it's it's an incredible testament to the work that you all do together 12 years is a long time and I know you are all flourishing so that's congratulations because that's not an easy an easy feat so since then since so you guys have more than of course doubled you've quadrupled you've you know ex- You've really expanded your company. When you look back now, Amy, what do you believe about sales and selling? What is it to you? What does it mean? Do you ever get tripped up in the sales process, or is it just super easy for you now?
1: You know, it's not super easy, but I don't think of it being a sales per se. You know, I think Mm -hmm. of... Offering services, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to help people do their job, more or less. I mean, we're, we are a company that does business-to-business service, but at the end of that email or on the other end of that phone call, there's a person there trying to do their job. So I try to right. look at it that I'm trying to help them do their job and make their life easier and less stressful. So I it's not like I'm trying to sell someone something. I'm just trying to give them value that they can be successful as well. So, you know, it's not easy, but you always have to make yourself think about that, that it is another person. And where is that person coming from?
2: hmm yeah, that's brilliant, and it's so true. And we forget there's a human on the other end. If you if you're dealing exactly. with a B, B there's still a human. And so, so when it comes to that last part, though, I'm always curious about this. So when you actually have to ask for the payment, right? Because you your services aren't free. Whether you're there to serve, you solve their problem. You know, is there a how do you make it easy for yourself to ask for payment? Any tips there for our listeners?
1: You know, and that's a hard one too because, you know, we always feel like you know what is the value that, you know... Of what you're trying to sell, and it's—is it worth the fee that you're asking for? And you really just have to step back and go, yes, it is definitely worth the value. And I do it myself on a day-to-day basis. In some cases, it's like a slam dunk. Sometimes you think about it, going, well, you know, that's an awful large fee. But then the reason there's a reason why it's a large fee is because the value behind the service that you're providing is exceptional. You know, you're doing a large portion of work. Are you giving, you know, something that is significant to that other individual as well? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what and I have to look at is that the value is significant and then it's worth it.
2: Right, and they don't want to do it, and maybe they don't even know how to do it. So if they right. don't get it done, it's going to be a problem for their company. Have and that's you... Not- yeah. Oh, I was gonna say that's not to say
1: that I've quoted fees and have people come back to me and say, Well, that's terribly expensive and we don't think it's worth it. I mean, there are always going to be those individuals. And you you have to be confident that your fee is worth it. And I always invite them to find someone else that that can do it at a less expensive price. And then I do find a lot of them still come back to me.
2: Well, that's what I was going to say. Is that you know, I bet I bet they still come back because they think, well, do I want the the less expensive price to take on this very important project for my company? Probably not, because you guys know what you're doing. You know what you deliver. I'm curious. I exactly mean, have right. how, yeah, and how many times have you raised your prices to get them to a point where they're in alignment with the value that you deliver? I mean, did it take a couple of times to get where you are to make sure that you know you were priced correctly?
1: Well, I try not to undercut myself in the beginning, you know, and that's easy to do thinking, oh, you've got to make this sale, you've got to get this project, so you're willing to undercut your services. But I try not to do that because – you know, it does take a while to bring it back up, and then it seems like every year when you're going to increase your fee, you have to explain it. So if you do, if you establish your value in the beginning, you have to be willing yeah. to to say, to accept that there are going to be some people who don't want to pay your fee, and that's actually right. okay.
2: <laughs> right. It's actually great, right? Because then you know it's not a fit. It's okay. Move on rather than exactly. undercutting. Because when we undercut our fees, what happens?
1: Well, you end up doing a lot of work without getting paid the value of that work.
2: Right. And then we become resentful probably. And the client's probably not happy anyway. Like it just, it's a big mistake. I find that the clients who are willing to pay what, you know, what you charge, those are the clients that are going to be with you for the long haul. And they're, they're grateful typically for your services. And they're probably the, they probably require the least amount of maintenance too. It's an interesting thing. And those
1: are the kind of clients that you want. You know, right. those are like your target clients are the ones that are going to be appreciative of, of what you're providing to them.
2: So, Amy, I'm curious. I mean, you and your partners have been in business for a while. You've gone through the recession, although I'm not sure the recession greatly impacted you because people still did it. I don't know if it had an impact. It had a slight impact,
1: but we're we're kind of in a lag process because we deal with, with employee benefits, which means employees. So when the recession had a reduction in employees, it took a year before it affected us. And same way with growth, it takes a year before we catch up again.
2: Right, right, got it. So you know, having you know, after you launched your business, you're in the middle of it, you're growing it. Was there ever a time when you or your partners got really discouraged or wondered why you got all you all got into it into this business, or do you feel like it's always been pretty smooth sailing?
1: Well, you know, after a couple of years, we didn't see the level of growth that we wanted. So we actually did, you know, have a brainstorming session to figure out what it is we needed to do. You know, who were our target clients? How do we go about getting those target clients? So, you know, the four of us, I mean, we were all four pretty smart people and, you know, really open to ideas. And we did a, we did several different techniques of marketing and some were less successful than others. But then, you know, we actually did have a very successful marketing with mailers that you'd think you only get like a 1% or half a percent response on mailers. But because of what we were doing and we specifically targeted the clients that we were looking for, we actually had like a 15% response on our mailers. Wow. And that grew our business significantly. And from that, the referrals began to grow as well because then we had a base of clients that referred us to their uh, their colleagues and that made a big impact so, so don't be afraid so it like yeah don't Go be ahead. afraid to do, you know, a marketing strategy and, you know, it, we're about to launch another marketing strategy because you get complacent over a period of time, you know, because you're getting the referrals, you're getting the work, but then you become kind of stagnant at a certain level and now we're recognizing, you know what, we need to do that boost again, so we need to do another marketing launch.
2: Excellent. So, that's so a great point. And for our listeners, it's, it's so true. Like when you get into those down spots or it's like things don't seem to be going well. In Amy's case, you found your partners and you know, you had your partners already and you guys sat down and did some brainstorming. I know a lot of people benefit from just talking to somebody or listening to these shows to stay motivated and come up with new ideas. But all keep moving. That's the thing. Keep moving forward. Keep marketing. Keep moving, moving yourself. So, okay, Amy, let's keep going. What? Okay. Looking back at all of this business and sales success that you've had. What is the number one limiting belief that you had before you got into the business or as you were getting into the business that now you look back and you go, wow, I'm so glad I changed that limiting belief or it's totally different than I thought it was going to be? Well, you know, I, I probably had the same
1: typical attitude about salespeople that most people have, that they're pushy and they're just trying to make a buck. And, you know, that wasn't who I was. That wasn't really what I was trying to do. So, you know, I didn't like that, 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 I don't know, concept of sales. But then, you know, I had to I had to tell myself, yes, I am doing this to make money. I mean that's why we're all doing this is to make money. Right. And it's not only about making money, it's that I'm doing it to make money but I'm also offering something of equal value to to the other person, to the other party. You know, so I'm not just mm-hmm. taking money for nothing. I'm actually giving something valuable in return for that. So getting over the fact that, you know, sales or salespeople are pushy and and are just trying to make a dollar, it was I'm making money by providing this, you know, product or service that has a great value to this individual or to this company.
2: Right. And that was yeah. very beneficial. So important. How long did it take you to get there, do you think, before you really knew that? Yeah, you know, at least, you know, I would say two or three
1: years. You know, it was okay. right about the time I think we were doing our marketing strategy that we really all kind of confronted that.
2: Mm hmm, hmm. And, and what on the other side of that, so the, on the other side of that, the belief is that you're providing a service and making a difference, or what's, what's the belief that you remind yourself of regularly now?
1: That we're helping people. You know, we're helping okay. people do their jobs or helping them make their jobs easier and less stressful, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. you know, because people who, who, talk, that. Who,
1: yeah, who have to deal with, you know, tax law, the IRS and the Department of Labor, you know, that's a very stressful area for them, especially if they don't understand what the rules are, you know, so we're here helping them navigate those rules and making
2: it less stressful for them. Right and most people don't even want to think about these things much less study them the way that you and your team have to. So <laughs> exactly. incredible. So so before you employed the marketing strategy that really helped you guys take off, before you before you got there, what were the first like top 2 strategies that you used that you and your team used in the very beginning to grow your sales and then double your sales?
1: Well, you know, it was it was trying to be clear on exactly what we were offering. You know, I think when you you have it clear in your own mind what it is you're doing and what what you're selling or what you're offering, it's easier to explain that to someone else. You know, we don't just prepare tax returns. You know, we interpret complex tax laws for our clients and we help them maneuver through that legalese language, you know, that that is so confusing for most people. It's, and I think, when it was clear to when it was clear to me, what it was I was doing, it was so much easier for me to explain that to someone else. That that showed them the value of what we
2: were offering. So, how did you get clear? Was it talking to your partners? Like, did you role play? Did you say, "Well, that doesn't make sense"? How did you How did you guys get that clarity on the what you offered? You know,
1: it's. It's doing listening to podcasts such as yours, like and reading your book and I went to several of your seminars and it's going through that process of of just sitting down and divesting through, you know, we used to call it the elevator speech and you know, writing it down and writing it down and saying it out loud and go, does that make sense? Is you know in making it so that it's not panned or scripted, but that you really believe what you're saying. So you have to come up with the words that you truly believe in, and that takes a process. It's not something that just comes out of your mouth or or off the top of your head. It's something that you have to work through, just like you've explained to us during your Selling with Intention program. You know, you sit down Mm -hmm. and you
2: kind of go through those steps, and it helps you get there. Mm Yeah, and it's, you know, constantly practicing it and tweaking it, and and it's nice because you have partners, Not everyone has partners, and if you Don't aren't in business with partners. It's important to have, you know, friends and colleagues and coaches and other people you can run it by. So, so, sorry, right, because they're going to give you a different perspective than yourself. Right. Because we think we know it. We think it sounds right. And someone else, listens in especially with what you do, it's, it's complicated and people might not get it right away. So you, you might have to explain it a few times. And that was the difficulty but... in the beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. So what was your second or third strategy that you want to share? Actually, it was just two strategies, two strategies on how you doubled your sales. Sorry. Well,
1: I think the other one too is staying on top of where you are and where you want to go. It's like you've established your goal, but you have to you have to make sure you know what your progress is toward that goal. And for me, especially in the early years, because you know we did have a goal set, and you know I definitely did want to make money <laughs> and be able to you know pay the mortgage. So, I had to track where I'm at, what I'm done, what I've done so far this year, what what additionally do I need to do? So the, to me, the second strategy was staying on top of that. And it's easy to th- you know to kind of let that that kind of thing slide because you know you don't really think of it as being bringing revenue into the business. But at the same time, if you don't look at it, you get complacent about it and you're not you're not doing things that you need to do to meet your goals. So I think right. the second strategy for me was just staying on top of it. And like, you know, in our conversation, when you were here a couple of weeks ago, it was I had become complacent, and I, I realized I had become complacent because I hadn't been looking at those numbers. So when I sat down and worked through it, it was like, "Oh my God, I've got, I've got a ton of stuff I need to get done," and. You know, it got me back on
2: track. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what works for you in terms of tracking or looking at the numbers? Any tools that you use or that you recommend that keep you on track? Well, every year we put
1: together a budget so you know what your anticipated revenue is and you know what your expenses are. You know, being a mm-hmm. CPA, I'm a um, mm-hmm. numbers person, so, <laughs> you know, uh, we like to play with numbers. um then doing the projection because, you know, we know what our reoccurring work will be because we've got our tickler list of of everybody that we know we have upcoming work for. And, you know, that tickler list for every project obviously has a revenue dollar assigned to it. So we kind of track what our revenue is. But one of the things that's very interesting is that when you really do sit down and track that revenue, it seems to generate more revenue. You know, if you're right. not paying attention to your money, it's like your money ignores you. But when you start paying attention, and I find, and I do this every week now, it's like I always make a point of spending, you know, an hour looking at what money I need or what money I have, what money I need to spend and what I'm spending it on and feeling comfortable about where my money is. So about Mm -hmm. once a week, I spend about an hour. I do billing. You know, I update records. I update, you know, my accounting program. And it just kind of gives me an overall view of exactly where the company is at this moment in time. And surprisingly enough, that revenue just seems to grow every time I do that. If I let it slide, it doesn't happen. But if I pay attention to it, it, it grows. It's weird, it's very interesting how that happens. (laughs)
2: I know, I know, I I know. We don't get super woo woo on this call, but I like to go there sometimes. But yeah, talk about quantum physics and the idea of what you focus on grows and you observe it. And so, what a great great tip for all of you who are listening though to spend a week in in the numbers. And I know not all of you love the numbers, and maybe you're not trained in that way. But it's not hard to learn. It's important to know what's coming in, what needs to go out, and I promise you, you spend time on that, it will start to grow as Amy just shared. So, Amy, you are an expert in employee benefit tax compliance.
1: Woo,
2: which is you know it's it affects larger businesses you know and of course the the government might say small businesses, but employee, you know businesses that have a certain number of employees. So talk a little bit about what that is, and then I'd love to hear two to three strategies that you teach your clients. So some of our clients might be of that size or they might be growing to that size.
1: We do deal with companies that usually have, like, greater than 100 employees. We do have some smaller right. companies that have retirement plans that, you know, their governmental reporting requirements when you have a certain amount of money in your retirement plan, even though you're a smaller group or you're okay. – you're sole proprietor if you have more than $250,000 in your you know sole proprietor retirement plan you have to report to the government that this plan exists so we we do work with larger companies because obviously if more than a hundred there's a lot more reporting requirements around the employee benefits specifically in the health and welfare benefit area or mm-hmm. you know in the retirement plan area there's more extensive reporting requirements associated with larger plans opposed to smaller plans like larger plans have to be audited they have to attach what's called an accountant's opinion to their return so you can tell that there's some complex rules surrounding what those compliance requirements are. So the strategies that we have with our clients, especially when we pick up a new client, is to kind of go through what their benefit plans are and then help educate them in what those those rules are and how those rules specifically apply to their plan or their particular scenario. And that's a large portion of it. A lot of people don't want to know what the rules are because they are complex. We try to put them in layman terms for our clients so that they're not overwhelmed with the technical aspects of them. But yet, at the same time, it educates them enough to feel comfortable with what they know that they need to do regarding their own company or, you know, the company that they work for because more often than not, employers get in trouble because they don't pay attention to rules that even as complex as they are, they need to at least hire someone that will help them grasp what those rules are because when you're in a business, you can't know everything, so you you have to out, you have to bring in professionals who do know. You know, there are things about my company that I can't do. I'm not an attorney. I don't do document work. Like with my partners and I, we put together a buy-sell agreement. Well, that was something that's not our expertise. We went to an mm-hmm. attorney who specializes in buy-sell agreements to set up that for, you know, our partners so that we know if certain things occur, we have all agreed on exactly what needs to happen. Well, that's the same thing that that my company does with regard to employee benefit plans. They're all complex. You bring in a professional who knows the rules. You know, that professional explains the rules so you feel comfortable about what it is you're doing with your company that you're complying with those rules. So that's a big part, and that's the biggest strategy that we do is educating our clients on what those rules are. The other thing, you know, another strategy is helping them be aware of what the industry trends are, you know, what's really happening out there, you know, what we see the IRS and the DOL doing, because a lot of times in compliance, you know, when the IRS is focused in on a particular hot topic, we want to make sure our clients are aware of that, or the Department of Labor, especially the Department of Labor, they always have these hot things that they're going to come out and audit everybody on. So we want to make clients aware of that. Be sure you have all your I's dotted and T's crossed. You know, in our particular cases, having plan documents in place, and summary, plan descriptions that are distributed to employees. You know, employers, they go... Along, thinking that their insurance carrier or their third-party administrator is doing all these things for them when they don't have them in their own files. So it's good for them to have and be prepared for an audit instead of being audited and unprepared for it. So that's the other oh, part you. of it, and you know, discussing what the risks are associated. Some things that are you know extremely risky. You can go to jail for doing certain things with your employee benefit plans, and being aware of what those things are so that you don't make those mistakes. Right. That's
2: another big part of it. Well, that's what I was going to ask. The potential repercussions of not knowing or not paying attention. You just answer that of just you know you could money go to jail is jail another one
1: can... <laughs> penalties, yeah,
2: penalties for right? failing to do what you're supposed <laughs> to do
1: is a big motivator.
2: Yeah. Yuck. So not fun stuff. So if this is you and you might need some help in this area, and Amy, just to clarify, so would you work with someone if they're a sole proprietor but they have two hundred and fifty thousand in their retire their business retirement plan? Or is yes, that some- would absolutely. you refer to that person? Okay. Okay. Absolutely. So that's even a fit because as well.
1: Not all CPAs understand the employee benefit area, and if you are Mm -hmm. running a business and you have a retirement plan that you've set up for yourself and you talk to your CPA, your CPA may not necessarily be aware of all the rules surrounding that plan. They know how to take the deductions on your tax return, but not as it actually applies to filing the, the reporting on the plan itself. And that's where, okay. you know, yes, we are definitely available for any kind of questions like that. Or if you, you know, just need a consultation to find out whether or not what, you're, what you've done in the past or what the rules are that apply to you, we're definitely available for those kinds of conversations.
2: So, Amy, on that note, how can they get in touch with you? Tell us how, the best ways to reach you and your website, please.
1: Well, you can reach me at my email address. It's boyd at 5500, that's 5500tax.com, or my telephone number is 805-929-5881. I believe this information is also in the bio that you have attached to the podcast so if you didn't hear me it can be uh, you can get it off the bio and then also visit our website it's 5500tax.com we have quite a few articles you know that we've written these are common commonly asked questions that we we decided we wanted to get them documented so that we can always direct people to our website to answer these questions because we really do have a lot of reoccurring questions so Fantastic. And it's not a
2: bad website, too. You can learn more about who we are and who the other partners in my firm are. Wonderful. And thank you for sharing that. And, yes, it will be in the iTunes show notes so people can see it there. So uh, before we wrap up, Amy, I just want to say thank you for being here. Any final you. advice? So for someone who's starting their business, you know, maybe they're having a tough day and they're thinking, oh, my gosh, what was I thinking? What's your best advice for them? Hang in there.
1: Just keep doing what you're, you know, keep, keep going, taking one step forward. Because you can get discouraged, but don't quit. You know, I think if I had to give any one particular suggestion is don't quit. You know, stay focused. You started this with a mission in mind and revisit that mission. You know, revisit it. Make sure that it's the same mission because your mission might change but at the same time, reread it and and you know keep moving forward toward that mission.
2: Beautiful, love it. Thank you. Don't quit. I felt that from the heart. I mean, because we've all been there. We've had those days. So, Amy, thanks again for being here. Thank you. Are um, so inviting. Is open. Me. Yeah, we loved it. Come to Minnesota, drink some wine with us. We want absolutely. to absolutely you there. So. <laughs> okay, awesome. And we want to thank all of our listeners. I know you're all over the world now, twenty two plus countries and growing. We hear you. We love hearing from you. We're glad that this podcast is making a difference in your lives. You can get our free download sales secrets of the top 10%. It's our free video series on the website salescoachnow.com. You can email me directly at Ursula at salescoachnow.com if we can support you in any way. Our next sales camp courses are coming up here in Minnesota. We have two camps coming up and we have some coming up in New Mexico as well. So check the website to see how we can support you there. Thanks everybody. And again, make this your most epic year yet.
1: Thank you for listening to Double Your Sales. To get even more information to take your sales to the next level, visit us at salescoachnow.com. That's salescoachnow.com. Join us again next week to learn how to double your sales.